The antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. Yeah. 
It's time for the Antidote's first regular feature for 2019. You know, I do enjoy all the special episodes, like Christmas and our annual Best Of, but this is really the heart of the Antidote, so thanks for tuning in. It's always fun connecting with an artist. Sometimes I do the reaching out, sometimes it's a record label contacting me, sometimes it's the artist who contacts me. To be honest, music is sometimes not too good. When the Sleeves frontman Andrew Ditlison sent me a link to the band's music, I really wasn't expecting much, but as soon as I heard it, I wanted him to come to the antidote for a talk. The Sleeves sound is varied, it's different, it's intelligent, and it's superb, like tonight's opening song, 1982. So let's get into that first part of my conversation with Andrew and the song, Were You There? Andrew Ditlison fronts The Sleeves. Thanks for coming to The Antidote, Andrew. Glad to be here. Thank you. I have to tell you that your band name has left me really confused. It's spelled S-L-E-A-V-E-S. And I googled that and found that it means tangled threads. Or is this just some kind of (laughs) the Beatles kind of thing where you're using a weird band spelling? Uh, actually the, the Beatles thing is, is pretty spot on. Um, <laughs> my wife and she's been in and out of the band over the last say six or so years. And she's a huge Beatles fan. And I obviously like the Beatles too. And so that's a little bit of a homage to the Beatles. Um, but the whole coming up with the band name was literally the classic, you know, spitballing ideas for months after your working with a set group of musicians and that's just the one that kind of (laughs) stuck so you mentioned about that where did the idea come from to form the sleeves well um this is gonna sound really weird but i think geography actually plays a big part of the forming of the sleeves um i moved to north carolina with my wife maybe 2008 and um before moving to North Carolina, we lived in Ohio and we'd both played in bands together. And just, you know, since we weren't like some signed band or whatever, you know, we kind of had to leave those projects behind and moving to North Carolina, we wanted to start a new band. And we felt like starting a new band made more sense than trying to keep existing bands alive that didn't exactly have the same band members. So the band that became the sleeves was a band called the Vercos, which was a band that was more fronted by my wife so there was more of like a female vocalist kind of thing going on with that so that's kind of where that came from okay so since the band isn't just you who else is involved um again geography and location it's kind of determined what the lineup has looked like so when I was in North Carolina, there was a, a guy named Austin Newkirk that collaborated with an early incantation of the sleeves, and he contributed um, drums, bass, and even like a little bit of background vocals. Technologies also influenced the sleeves in that, you know, sometimes people's musical contributions are getting flown in, you know, via the internet. So my younger brother, who lives in Washington, D.C., He's participated in the recording part of it, but um, yeah, the live performances of the sleeves, it's a kind of a revolving door, if you will. Oh, so now I get the real story. You keep it more family because family, you don't have to pay. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
there's a big family influence in uh, the sleeves too. Music of the Sleeves isn't happy. I mean, it deals with a lot of sad topics. Most of the song seems to deal with a disconnect in a relationship. So you've left yourself open for this. Is your life as sad as your songs? It's actually not as sad as my songs. I've got a very good life, but uh, I think music and art for me is like a, a form of therapy in a way. You know, just talking about different things or circumstances that have, you know, affected me or, or shaped me. And um, 
lyrically, I would say, you know, storytelling is a big part of the sleeves, you know, in a lot of the, the songs, like there's a narrative. And in most cases, when there's like a story element in the song, it's a real thing or day or moment that actually happened. But you've got no inclination to share the happy times. Um, did you listen to the song called Celebrate? I did. Yeah, that that like there's some happier songs like that. And that one is like as corny as it might sound. It's like a, a song about going to the beach and just like escaping and and getting away from the day to day grind. But maybe it doesn't come across as happy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Even if the sun does not shine, we'll go anyway. We'll say we've lost our minds on the way. What else was there? Oh, yeah will disappear right in the undertow. I don't know, man. That's still a little on the dark side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're cracking me up. And um, with that, like, um, obviously my wife's important to me. I've already mentioned her like five times. But when we were planning music for our wedding, like all of our favorite songs were just like so heavy. <laughs> and <laughs> we, we, we kind of think that's funny that like our favorite songs are like the sad songs. And um in a way, like, uh, it's not like a direct influence, but like, I kind of think about like the Beach Boys, how like the lyrics, if you really listen, they're like devastating, but like the melodies, they, they might come across as happy, you know? So we like sad, happy songs or happy, sad songs. <laughs> well, since you keep mentioning your wife, you got to give us the honest answer here. Yeah. Who's really in control of the sleeves, you or she? That would be me. Um, but whenever we fire up, you know, our other kind of side band, the Vericos, she she takes on the the helm, the captain. You know, she she's the leader of that one. Yeah. So the sleeves is kind of more my thing.
I guess it all depends on the listener if Celebrate is an upbeat or a downer song. If you're wondering how faith plays a role in the music of the sleeves, here's the answer from Andrew. You know, as we were organizing this talk, one of your emails said that we are Christians in a band, but not necessarily a Christian band thing. Yeah. What's the difference between the two? Well, the difference between um, a Christian band... And Christians that are in in a band, I would say, is this. I think one aspect might be lyrical content. When I think about like uh, a Christian band, I think about over references to, you know, Jesus or God, like some kind of journey of salvation, perhaps. Um, But I think what we're doing with the sleeves is, you know, we're just talking about, you know, stories what what's going on in in my life you know what thing happened to me as a kid or yesterday that that has made me who i am today and i think you know christians in a band is like a worldview and uh with that i think there's still an element of hope um earlier we were talking about the song celebrate and one of the lyrics was talking about, you know, even if the sun doesn't shine, we're going to go anyway. To me, like stuff like that, it's like hope, you know, we're going to, we're going to get through it. We're going to overcome. We're going to still look on the bright side of things. So it, that's not necessarily an overt Christian, you know, reference, but to me, that's, you know, a glimpse of hope that I like to always put in the lyrics. Then you would say that your faith plays some kind of a role in your music. For me, like, you know, I recognize that I've been given a gift of being creative and writing songs and playing the guitar and that kind of thing. And you know, I want to share that gift with people. And so, like, as a Christian, you know, I know where those gifts come from. You know, that that's not me. You know, for whatever reason, God blessed me with the ability to have an imagination and a creative mind to write songs and come up with cool guitar riffs and you know, put it all together. I catch a bit of Christian content on the song Pumping. The opening yes. verse says, "Yeah, require one more soul to save. You're reaching for my heart. Feels so good, so sure of yourself. You would leave me in the dust. Yes. That song is probably one that I would say has a little bit of attitude to it. And it's one that has probably some kind of commentary on, you know, churches I've been in where, you know, I haven't felt welcome and I don't want to name names or do anything like that. But, you know, like that's part of my DNA or my makeup is, you know, kind of feeling out of place even in a church. And so 
that's been hard for me at times and even my family at times to feel like, man, what the heck? This is supposed to be the place where you're the most welcome and the most accepted. But like, why do I feel so out of place? That's the gist of what that song's about. I think we've all been into that type of situation too. And then you go to the other extreme where some churches can be so welcoming, but what they're doing there is they're just counting numbers. It's like, hey, look, at we saved another soul today. Right, right. And that specific lyric, um, you know, one more soul to save. I can remember as a kid being in like a really, I don't know even what to call it. I guess it'd be like evangelical church, maybe. Um, I remember as a kid being, you know, like, you know, we got to bring your friends. You got to start having your friends come to Sunday school with you. And I remember being like eight or nine and the message I was getting from my Sunday school teacher was like, we got to bring our unsaved friends to to church. And as an adult, I look back on that and I was like, wow, that's a odd thing to be doing. I, I just don't think that was the appropriate thing to be teaching in a Sunday school. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a theologian, but it kind of puts little kids in a situation where they're sizing up their peers and, and determining who's saved and not saved. How's an eight or nine or 10 year old supposed to know who's saved and not saved? Who's your Christian friend and not Christian friend? I don't think there's any human that, that truly knows the answer to that.
bumping from the sleeves. I think we all dream about having our lives perfect and organized, as unrealistic as that might be. And that topic also comes up with Andrew on the next part of our talk and on the song No Man's Land. Something that's different about the sleeves is that you don't have any kind of defined music style. Do you enjoy that? Um, in all seriousness, that used to be something that held me back from finishing songs or um, recording sessions because I was thinking that in my mind it all had to go together or fit together. But now I embrace it that the sleeves sound is a little bit eclectic and I just embrace it. You know, I, I just put the songs together in a way that is inspiring and feels right at the time. And, you know, if I'm excited about it, then that's kind of my guiding force in terms of, you know, is this good or not? If I like it and I think it's cool and I, I think it's fun, then, you know, it doesn't really matter what genre it is. Then you're not really catering yourself to a specific type of audience. Um, no, like I'm not like thinking, you know, this is for hard rock people or this isn't for roots people. I would hope that people that appreciate good songwriting, perhaps people that appreciate like some lyrical depth would get the sleeves and what we're trying to do. The sleeves released another single a few years ago, No Man's Land. Yeah. It has these veiled lyrics about going to the movie theater. Yeah. You care to explain? That was a, a real story and uh, well, probably like a culmination of maybe like a few times going to the movies in, in middle school. And uh, the movie specifically that comes to my mind that I was going to see was Cops and Robbersons. Have you ever seen that movie? Never. It's a Chevy Chase movie, but like That's a probably mid- why I didn't see it. <laughs> it's like a mid it's a mid nineties Chevy Chase movie and I don't think it was good, but uh you know, I can appreciate, you know, some some lampoons, you know, vacation movies or whatever, but like this one I remember being really terrible. But um again, the lyrical theme there is just feeling out of place, you know, this perpetual sense of feeling like an adolescent. And so you know, we were talking about, you know, who's this music for? I think we all feel like adolescents, you know, whether we're 13, 30, or perhaps, you know, 60, 70, 80, you know, we all can connect with that not feeling quite comfortable. This is Andrew Ditlifson, singer and songwriter for The Sleeves. You are listening to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. Drop me off on Center Street Where he'll never see Hiding in the corner I was looking for your face Everyone is staring at Shirt tucked into jeans It will start soon enough Time to go inside
Earlier I told you that I was confused by your band name, but yeah. I'm also confused about the name of your 2015 EP, Volume 2, Marriage. I mean, what is this, like, no Volume 1? Volume 1 should be coming out. Uh, we just did it backwards. Volume 1's <laughs> coming out, um, hopefully, January 2019. In fact, we're working on finishing that up like this weekend you know i've been emailing the guy doing the mixing on um these tracks and it's all coming together so the idea was that there was going to be like a series of eps each with like a a theme so volume one and this was the working title something like childhood you know your experiences as a kid and then volume two was going to be marriage and you know the whole theme of courtship and and working through domestic issues. And then I was thinking about a third EP having a more specific spiritual theme. And so, you know, that one would be the most direct. Um, and here it was, I thought you were going to say that was going to be on death and that would be the end of the band. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, if it's a Christians in a band kind of thing, maybe there's one after death, the whole idea of like eternal life or, or something like that. Okay, so I know that Volume 3 is just theoretical at this point yeah. because you're not actually working on it. Yeah. Why the spiritual aspect? Um, I have songs that haven't really been released yet that are more direct in terms of like, you know, my thoughts or opinions or feelings about God. If you were like trying to like identify a reference point, a song like um, Pumping or Were You There? would be more like what I would imagine being on that EP. Um, the song, Were You There?, even though it's a few years old, that was inspired by a dream that I had about um, my dad who passed away coming back to life. And then I was also thinking about the New Testament story where um, Jesus is resurrected and comes back to life. And I was thinking about how much fear and like anxiety and like terror you know, his friends, the apostles, you know, must have felt, you know, when they saw their friend who they thought was dead, you know, coming back to life, perhaps maybe wasn't, you know, like a joyful kind of thing. It'd be like a, like a horror movie. You know, I thought you had died. You know, where were you? I thought you were dead. You know, we, we thought you were gone and then here you are again. So for a, a EP to come out about God, it would have some pretty, you know, off-the-wall takes on those Christian themes, I think. Is it easier to work with a theme versus just having something general? When I write, I just write, you know, and um, a lot of times the lyrics don't exactly have an obvious meaning. And then, like, once I start working and editing those lyrics and doing rewrites, the meaning comes to me. And then once I start seeing a a theme throughout maybe a few songs, I'm like, okay, that's what the, the project's going to be. So sometimes the theme comes after it, but then like once the theme's identified, that helps me piece it all together and, and finish it. That EP also included a song, Mercury Topaz. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what a Mercury Topaz is? I am old enough to know what a Mercury Topaz is. Don't tell me that you had one of those. I did not have one, but um, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, had one. And so that song 
It's about just driving around and like doing like a cheap date night and you're just cruising, trying to dream about, you know, like what it would be like, you know, if we were married. And so like when I listen to that song, I can picture driving around on a summer night, like windows down, that kind of thing. I can relate to the song Mercury Topaz because it takes me back to the days of cheap gas when my wife and I were first married. We had no money for a night out, so going for a drive, that was our entertainment. 
Then, of course, along came our kids and even less evenings out. Next up, you're going to hear from Andrew about how kids are at the center of the song Dinner Time from the Sleeves. I guess I've kept speaking about the sadness of the music of the Sleeves, but obviously the band enjoys performing. So what's been the highlight for the band? Um performing has been a little bit tricky um just in terms of like moving around a little bit and finding like a consistent lineup to play out but honestly anytime i can play live it's super fun and and rewarding um i can't say that we played like a whole lot of like big headlining shows or that kind of thing um it's been more like local intimate settings but yeah, I mean, anytime we get a chance to play live, we'll do it. Um, right now, just with, you know, things in our personal lives, you know, we don't play as much as we'd like to, but, you know, we, we play when we can. Most bands don't make music as a profession. Then what's your motivation for doing this? Creative expression. I'm like an artist at heart. In fact, I went to college for painting and printmaking, that kind of thing. So I, I'm, you know, a fine artist as well. So I just love to create and my favorite part of being in a band is the creative process and the writing process. Um, and that's more recently translated to the recording and production aspect of being in a band. So with the sleeves, I'm the primary songwriter, but I also do the production and, um, a lot of the recording, I do that at home. Some of the recordings done like in you know, more conventional settings, but most of it I do by myself. Then what's the ultimate dream for the sleeves? Honestly, like if I'm going to answer that question super candidly, just to keep it going, you know, like I want to just consistently create new material um, and just don't stop. And I want to just keep talking about what's going on in my life and keep reflecting and keep collaborating with people that's the real goal right there. Well, talking about continuing on and creating, the Sleeves have a gorgeous new single out called Dinner Time. Yeah. Interestingly, it's written from a child's perspective. And the final line says, we were hungry for so much more than food, each and every one of us unaware. Is this a song about your childhood? Yeah, it is. That's sad. Um... I I think like the sadness is probably there, but like when I think about it, like I think about the solidarity of like being in some of these difficult situations with all of my siblings. I mean, my my siblings are some of my best friends and um, you know, we're all, you know, what you might think of as successful and we have like families and you know, when we get together it's nonstop joking, but I think it's been important for me to to write these songs, but I think in a way, like, you know, when I've expressed, you know, things about my childhood, it's helped my siblings too with, you know, kind of working through some things. Um, the line that you mentioned from the lyrics, it was interesting that uh, literally a week ago, someone came up to me in a local coffee shop in the town I live in and this person quoted those lyrics back to me and I was like, Whoa, I didn't even know people paid attention to the lyrics I wrote, but that really resonated with her too. And she said it just got her. And I was like, wow, that means a lot that you were actually listening. And oddly enough, those lyrics are at the end of the song. So she obviously took the time to listen all the way to the end, but 
I think being hungry more than food, it means wanting to feel that sense of acceptance and belonging and um, maybe like a, another way to say it would be just to know that everything's going to be okay, which I think everybody wants to know. And it's brilliantly written because the opening verse just comes in with their perspective as a child would, and they're just totally focused on what are they going to have on their plate and Uh are they going to be enjoying this? And then how the relationship filters in past just that simple thought. Yeah, it, it becomes deeper as you move throughout the song. You know, as you move through the song, like the speaker or the voice, it changes too, you know. Some of the lines I imagine me as a kid saying, some of the lines I imagine one of my siblings, and I mentioned my mom and my dad and that kind of thing. So it's kind of a, I'll use the word stew, we're talking about dinner time and food, like a stew of (laughs) perspectives in there. Yeah. 
a seriously great song, Dinner Time from the Sleeves. Next week's episode of The Antidote will also be seriously great. You've heard the band's music for decades, their drummer is world-renowned, and their message is bold about their faith in Christ. Ted Kirkpatrick speaks about Tourniquet's purpose with The Antidote and brings their latest album, Gazing at Medusa. (laughs) And be prepared, it's going to be loud. On this last part of my chat with Andrew Ditlison of The Sleeves, I sort of pestered him about sharing a song from their upcoming EP. And it seems he didn't need too much convincing. So here's that talk and a song with a horribly depressing topic. See you next time. You've mentioned a couple times about a future project. Is there anything that you could share with us from that? Um, with that, like... Um the the song that i have in mind you're gonna love this title <laughs> and it's it's more of the the sad desolate kind of stuff it's called nuclear winter i like yeah. that yeah and uh it was inspired by as a kid watching the movie the day after have you ever seen it yes okay right probably really inappropriate that i watched it at like three or four years old whenever it came out but so there's that kind of element and then um we also lived near a nuclear power plant as a kid. And, you know, there would be like these sirens that would like go off <laughs> in terms of like preparing for a potential nuclear meltdown. So no way. Yeah. yeah. So the next EP is going to be called. The working title is childhood. That might stick, but uh, that's the working title. Everyone will want to track down the sleeves and your music online. So where can they find you? Spotify, you know, if you did a search for it in your little search bar with Spotify, you could find it. You might have to scroll down a couple lines. Um, SoundCloud is also a good place to find us. I told you that the goal for me is just creating. Um, if you want to download stuff for free, you can go to SoundCloud, and I think most of the songs you can add to your iTunes playlist if you download them there. Andrew, it's been great having you and the music of the sleeves on The Antidote. Thanks so much for coming, man. It's been fun, and uh, I enjoy talking about music, and uh, we'll talk to you later. <laughs>